This is the Straight Truth Podcast, biblical answers to difficult questions from a Christian worldview. Well, Pastor, recently we had a listener ask us a question that is going on in their church right now, and so I thought it would be important for us to discuss here. And uh, what they asked was, how do they counsel someone who has had become a transsexual and had had all the surgical procedures and had changed, in their mind at least, to the opposite sex? And uh, now they want to come out of that. I guess they've become a Christian, but they hate what they've become in in their surgical procedure and everything else related to that. How do you count? How do you counsel someone in a loving and caring way who's dealing with that? Well, I'm thankful for God's grace to them. I'm thankful that He opened their eyes and saved them, so that they realize the the madness of of trying to change who you are. Mm. You know, we don't determine who we are. God determined that. And I would just say, realize uh, that very basic bottom line truth, which is when you, when you went through the changes physically through surgery in, in the interest of trying to express who you thought you were, you really didn't change anything except your body. Mm. You can't change reality. Mm-hmm. And, and now you feel the devastating effects of those choices and that makes you sad, and that's understandable. Just like I can look back on my life, areas where I sinned mm. in ways that I can't undo, and it makes me sad. But what I celebrate when I look back on my life and see things that I've done that I can't undo that make me sad, I celebrate the fact that I'm forgiven. And I remember that this is why I needed the Savior. That, that if I were to be left with, with my life's choices, I'm damned. Mm. But, but rather what I have is the perfect righteousness of God given to me as a gift, the righteousness of His Son, which I received by faith in the One who came from heaven, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins, was raised from the dead bodily, has ascended into heaven and is coming again. Christ is my life. Mm-hmm. And so all those sins that I've committed that I can't change the, all of the effects associated with my sins. He died for those sins. He's forgiven me. And he'll give me the grace now to live with the leftovers mm-hmm. of my choices in the temporal realm. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to this person, uh, rejoice in the knowledge that you're forgiven. Rejoice in the, in the opportunity you now have to be a voice to people who are being deceived in the same ways you once were deceived, you can speak to them in a way that can be powerful. You were there. You were deceived in the same way at one time that they are now, and you can speak the truth to them. That's a great opportunity. That's a great joy in terms of the kingdom of God. Hmm. And that's what I would, would do is put my focus on heaven, put my focus on an eternal future where one day you'll have a new body that matches the new you and, and that body is going to be glorious. Mm. But until then, you serve Christ. And what an opportunity you have to be a witness for Him. Mm. So I would say you're not alone. We, we all have repercussions from our sinning that we can't undo. Mm. And we have to, with some sense of sorrow, reflect on that, but, but with a greater joy. Mm. That as great as our sin was, God's grace was greater. Mm. Praise Him for that. And that was really, my follow-up was, was, was only... You know, what, how do we really handle these past sins that 
continue to plague us and yeah. continue to it's like the devil brings them up in us to, to make us feel guilty and to shame us and and i feel like we get that quite a bit as uh, as pastors you of course mm. uh, more so than i but 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 how do you how do you just counsel someone in that situation that they're just constantly plagued by past sin well on some level as luther talked about i i don't uh i don't dispute the devil i agree with him in the sense that i am an unworthy wretch mm-hmm but then I point to my Savior. Mm-hmm. He's worthy, and He's forgiven me. And if He doesn't condemn me, who's left to condemn me? Romans chapter 8. There's nobody. Mm-hmm. Who can separate me? What can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Right. Nothing. Nothing present, nothing future. Nothing earthly, nothing in the heavens. Nothing. So people make a mistake, Josh, when they, when they take their guilt and try to deny that they're guilty of the things hmm. that their conscience accuses them of. Most of the time, our consciences are not misinformed about how guilty we are. Mm-hmm. Where they're misinformed is, is they dismiss the gospel. So I, I don't dispute that, that left to myself, left to my own life's choices, left to my own righteousness, I am a wretch worthy of damnation. Where I dispute the devil is when he tries to convince me that the gospel isn't true and that Christ isn't sufficient, and that forgiveness isn't real. All those things not only are real, they're glorious realities. Mm. And so I want to believe the gospel when it comes to those issues. How do you speak truth and love to a transgender person or somebody who claims that? And uh, maybe especially to the parent of one. And, and maybe have you, you know, have you had to do that uh, before? Um, what does that really look like? You know, do you... You, you probably want to love them from a kind of standpoint um, uh, that they're another human being in God's image. You love them in that way, um, but yet you are abhorred by their life that they're choosing. Mm. So how do you speak the truth in love? You know, do you, Does that mean you, you, you call them by a different name that, mm. that, that they are now adopting as their real identity and their real you know, name? Um, do you, um, you know, continue to be friends with them? Do you go to whatever they invite you to? Do you become a, a kind of a, a partaker in, 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 uh, in whatever it is they're, they're doing in terms of just their, their life, their life? And what if you have a coworker who is transgender and they sit right next to you, the cubicle next to you? Mm-hmm. How do you talk to them if you're a believer and they've adopted this lifestyle? What do you say to these questions? What we do is we deal with every person with the knowledge of who they are. So as you said already, Josh, made in the image of God, fellow human being, Mm -hmm. just because they're confused, just because they're enslaved in sin at the moment, deceived by sin, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they are any different than I am from the standpoint of humanity. Their soul has equal worth with mine. So I care about them as a person. That's how I think about them. That's how I talk to them. That's how I uh, relate to them. You already mentioned it, and we have to acknowledge it. There's something about all kinds of sin that we find repulsive as believers. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we have to preach the truth to our own hearts and remind mm-hmm. ourselves of these things I just mentioned. This is a fellow human being. This is someone made in the image of God. This is someone who's going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. So I love them. I care about them. That's part of it. At the same time, I'm loyal to our God. I'm loyal to His Word. I don't want to live my life in the realm of error. I want to live my life in the realm of truth. 
And these two worlds connect. These two worlds are not disconnected. They connect, which is to say, I will best love other human beings when I represent God and His truth to them. And so that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to bring God's truth to bear upon our relationship with one another. The most loving thing I'll ever do for any human being, no matter what sin we're talking about, is to tell them God's truth mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in an attitude and spirit that reflects the God who, whose truth it is. So He loves them. He cares about them. He is willing to save them and change their lives. I want that to come through in all my conversations with them. Mm-hmm. I never love anyone to affirm what will destroy them. Mm. I, I, I cannot love you and just watch as you run off a cliff. Mm-hmm. I, I can't love you and not do everything I can to hold you back, right? To do mm-hmm. what I can to rescue you from the pit, from, from literally the flames of hell. I, I don't love you if I'm not willing to do that. But I want to do it with compassion. So I do not participate in the dysphoria. I, I do not participate in the deception. I'm not going to refer to you by pronouns that do not represent reality. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to refer to you by a name that doesn't reflect reality, which means as a believer, I've got to think about how to handle that in the most gracious, wise way that I can. So if there's a way to refer to people that I don't even get into that territory, then mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not looking to be unnecessarily offensive either. I'm not just looking for ways to offend people and to make a point. Mm-hmm. But what I cannot do and will not do is act as if something is real when it isn't. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help anyone. Mm-hmm. So love them well with mm-hmm. the truth of God in hand. The need is the gospel. The need mm-hmm. is salvation. Mm-hmm. The need is transformation. So... If I talk to someone who's experiencing that dysphoria, I want to assure them that, that no matter how strongly they feel what they mm-hmm. feel in themselves at the moment, mm-hmm. sin is a strong force. That's yeah, true. Yeah. And it has a force upon our minds and our emotions and everything else. You, you can, in the spiritual realm, you can feel like you're right side up when you're upside down. Yeah. So I, 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 I believe you when you tell me you're having these strong feelings. I believe you when you tell me that you feel like you're out of place or out of sorts or not who, who you seem to be. I, I'm not denying you feel that way. What I'm saying to you is your feelings can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a very real God. There's a very real devil. There's very real truth and there's very real lies in the spiritual realm. And your confusion represents spiritual lies and the work of a spiritual enemy. Mm-hmm. And I love you too much not to tell you that the true and living God has an answer for the way that you're feeling. And that answer is to reorient yourself according to his word. So what does the Bible tell us about creation? What does the Bible tell us about maleness and femaleness? What does the Bible tell us about sin and how it affects us and how to, over, you know, to be saved from it, and, but then also how to overcome it and to fight it as, it as it is at work in our own person? So those are the sorts of conversations that we would have try, trying to help them with the truth of God's word. And you would say the same sort of things to, say, a, a Christian parent whose child is exclaiming these Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are the conversations you have to have with your child. Mm-hmm. You know, son, daughter, I love you. Mm-hmm. I, I die for you. Mm-hmm. Love you with all my heart, which is why I cannot pretend mm-hmm. that your confusion represents reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're confused. Mm-hmm.
And those are the sorts of conversations you have to have. Loving, compassionate, but straightforward and truthful. The question for this episode is a situational question. This person is a public school teacher. Mm. And of course, if you're a public school teacher in our context, you're doing a lot of Zoom meetings. And, uh, and so he says that he was in a Zoom meeting recently where the presenter had her preferred pronouns show up next to her name. So she must have typed this in herself. And she said her preferred, preferred pronouns were she and her. And so he said that's fortunately it wasn't something mm-hmm. uh, different than, than her uh, biological gender. He says, but I see the day approaching when I'm going to be expected to refer to a woman as they or them or an it. Um, and out of respect, he's going to have to, to do that, he said, because this is, this is the business. So the question is, do or can I capitulate without compromising my Christian values and witness? Or how do I handle those situations? That's a difficult question because this is an unavoidable issue for all of us sooner or later. The, the way the culture is headed, uh, every single one of us is going to be put in that in that situation. And I don't pretend to have an answer for everyone. I, I'll answer for myself. I will not, I cannot violate what God has done, what He has made, the truth that He has revealed, the truth that is self-evident by referring to any person in a way that doesn't match reality. And while I say that's just my answer, Josh, at the core, I believe that really is all of our answer. I don't know how we can honor the God of the Bible and compromise in ways where we we have to act as if we believe something we absolutely do not believe. So I think what it's going to require for all of us is, is graciousness but courage. So what I don't have to do is insult someone mm-hmm. right, on purpose. Right. I, I can think about other ways to refer to them in ways that don't violate the truth. But if mm. I'm forced into a situation where I have to use a preferred pronoun and it doesn't match reality, I'm sorry, I just will refuse to do so. I'll try to avoid offense in every way that I can. I'll try to make clear that it's not you know, some sort of personal animus at work here. It's not that I'm trying to attack you as an individual. It, it is it is my fidelity to the truth. It is my loyalty to, to the living God and to His Word that forces me to refuse to speak in a way that amounts to a lie. Even if it costs this person their job. I think it's what we had better be prepared in the culture we're in and the way it's headed, we had better be prepared for suffering, mm-hmm. arm, arm ourselves for persecution because it will eventually result, as it did for the first century believers, as mm-hmm. it has throughout church history, it will eventually impact us economically, vocationally, mm-hmm. relationally, sometimes including our own families. Faithfulness to Christ is costly. Mm-hmm. And this is why we're, we're charged by our Lord himself that we must love him more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Mother, sure. father, brother, yeah. sister, doesn't matter. More than our own lives. And so we're going to be put in positions eventually where that love is tested. Do I love Christ preeminently? Yeah. Yeah, we have to bear the reproach of Christ, right? right. Uh, I was thinking as you're talking about James 3, who is wise and understanding among you. I wonder if you could comment on this in relation to these questions in our culture. Um, by his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. He talks about um, being false to the truth. There's a wisdom that comes down that's earthly and unspiritual. Yeah. It's demonic. And, um, but then he said there's a wisdom from above that is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, and full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And, uh, and I wonder if that could apply to these situations because I feel like in, um, 
I've seen or read many times how um, it's it's such an incomprehensible thought to have that a a biological woman might call themselves a, a he or him, right, or vice versa, um, as it relates to males and females. That um, uh, Christians or anybody can can offer these quick jabs and and uh, and try to be funny, and um, and and maybe that's not the right position to take. How should Christians respond? Yeah, I think the passage those, you just referenced is is perfect. The wisdom that comes down from above is is full of peace. It's gentle in nature. It's truthful at the same time. Yeah, it's pure. Mm-hmm. It's sincere, right? So we don't engage in any kind of hypocrisy in the name of the wisdom of God. So to this world, and here's the difficulty, Josh, it it can be genuinely peaceful and and gracious and gentle and be absolutely offensive Mm -hmm. to the culture at Mm -hmm. the same time. So we can't measure kindness by the world's standard. We have to measure kindness by God's standard. And so I also bring into the picture of my own thinking, 1 Corinthians 13, what love is, right? Mm-hmm. What, what is the Christian life? I've been learning this in the book of Romans. It's a life of love. And that includes how to love a world full of hostility. Romans 12, 9 and following deals with that. So we live a life of love. Well, what is love? Uh, love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. So what love never does is affirm evil. What love always does is speaks the truth. Mm. It's not truth without love. It's not love without truth. It's speaking the truth in love. This is what we're called to do, how we're called to live. And so when we think about that particular example that was offered, you know, it's not loving to treat a man who is experiencing gender dysphoria and thinks he's a woman. It's not loving to affirm a lie. It's not, it's not loving to affirm a perspective that belongs to lostness and that will result in the final sense in damnation. That, that's not loving. Mm-hmm. Loving is to speak the truth, but speaking the truth needs to, to have with it the character of God himself. Yeah. And so that's where the James passage comes Important. into play. Yeah, you know, what kind of wisdom are we talking about? And so if we take, like with so many other issues, if we take our issue and then consider the whole of Scripture in, as informing us as, as how we are to respond, then our, our message will be matched by a manner that, that belongs to it. And, that, and that's why what we need is what the Spirit of God produces. This is beyond our own capacity. Lord, I want to share your truth, but in the power of your Spirit and in the character of Christ. Would you work in my life? in a way that what people meet with is the Lord Jesus Christ through me. That should be our design. Pastor, this question came from YouTube in the comments section and in response to one of our other episodes that we had. And the question goes like this. What would you say to someone who calls themselves a gay Christian? It's a phrase we hear often mm-hmm. that somebody is an Orthodox Christian, but they're, they're, they, they are attracted to the same sex and, and they identify uh, with that, maybe even, you know, they, 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 they know that homosexuality is a sin, but this is how they were created. It's their cross to bear from the Lord, and, uh, and they will choose never to marry because they, are, they, they know that to be a sin. But how they identify themselves as a gay Christian. What would you say to somebody? I would say to them, of course, with explanation and caring for them, if indeed they are born again, if indeed they are regenerate, they have misidentified their identity. Mm-hmm. 
they are not a gay Christian. If they're a homosexual, they're not a Christian. If they're a Christian, they're not a homosexual. We're talking about something different than temptation to sin. If someone wants to say, I've always struggled with same-sex attraction for as long as I can remember, and I put my faith in Christ, and yet I continue to struggle with that, how do I think about that? What I would say is that you're a Christian, you're a, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, still living with unredeemed humanness, still living with indwelling sin, still living with the flesh. And in, in your particular case, the flesh manifests itself in that way. But like you have to deal with every other sin, you have to mortify that sin. So to think of yourself as created to be a homosexual, that would be a, a wrong way to think about how God makes us. To think about yourself as this being your identity, so much so that you would identify yourself in that way, that, that, that's not a New Testament concept either. So I would say you're a new, you, you, if indeed you're born again, you have misidentified your identity. You need to see yourself as the New Testament describes you, a new creation in Christ Jesus with new loves, new hatreds, and, and new capacities that you never had before. You once were dead, now you're alive. You once were blind, now you see. You once were a slave to sin, but now you are free. You once were in the flesh, you're no longer in the flesh, but now even though the flesh is in you, you are in the spirit. Th these are the ways you're, you are meant to see yourself. I think a good example of this is 1 Corinthians 6. Paul writing to the Corinthian believers says, or do you not know, this is verse 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. What I love about that sin list is that it's not just homosexuality on the list. Mm -hmm. It's all sorts of sins on the mm -hmm. list, right? Mm -hmm. We're all dealing with predispositions, bents, with respect to sin that, re, that reflect our fallenness. You know, Josh, for me, I've never had a struggle, never had a struggle with an attraction to strong drink. Mm -hmm. there, there are people who were saved out of drunken, a life of drunkenness, who now have to be very careful about strong drink in a special kind of way because they know their predisposition to it. It'd be wrong to think of themselves as a Christian alcoholic. No, they're a believer who has a predisposition to a particular sin, and they're going to have to be careful and mortify that sin on a regular basis. That's true with all, all sin. Some of us are more predisposed to some elements of sin than others, but we're all sinners, saved by the grace of God. He goes on to say, and such were, past tense, some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so the, the way he instructs them to think about themselves is no longer in the terms of the sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers or homosexuals, mm. but to think of themselves as people who have been washed, who have been sanctified, who have been justified, who were those particular, you know, who, who could have been put in those particular categories in the past but no longer belong to those categories because they have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. So I would say you have misidentified your identity.
Yeah, I like what you said earlier, and it reminded me of Romans 6, and you were kind of riffing off Romans 6 a little bit. You, you must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ and God. It's almost like that word consider, is this is your identity. That's exactly right. right? Is, that's is exactly right. No, that's, that's a great point you make, and, and that is what the Christian life involves. Mm-hmm. It involves that ongoing consideration of things that are true. That's the wonderful thing about it. You know, we're not preaching falsehoods to ourselves in the name of making ourselves feel better. We're preaching the truth to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way things really are. You are alive to God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. You, you are now in a, in a totally new relationship to sin mm-hmm. than the one you once knew. That's, that's reality. And you just need to, to keep thinking about those realities. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm thinking about something, smiling because I'm thinking about, I watched a, a YouTube video. I've seen it many times. So I, I watched it again today of Alistair Begg talking about the difference between how we feel and what we know. Mm. And he talks about going into a worship service in California and the leader got up and, and said, hello, y'all, how are we feeling today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes on this run about, don't ask me how I feel. Ask me what I know. Mm-hmm. You know and he talks about all these things that you might go through on a, on a Sunday morning that would mm-hmm. make you feel rotten. Mm-hmm. But that's not what you need on Sunday morning. To be asked how I feel doesn't help me at all. I want to be reminded of what I know is true. And then after we run through that list of what I know to be true, I'll probably feel better mm-hmm. and be in a better place in my own heart and mind to worship God. But, but ask me what I know. And it, with respect to this question, it's not how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. It's what God says about you. Mm-hmm. That's where you need to set your attention. What do you know of your identity from the New Testament? Embrace that. Mm-hmm. So don't embrace your view of yourself from the culture. Mm-hmm. Embrace your view of yourself from the scriptures. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Straight Truth Podcast. Now, we'd love for you to share this episode with friends and family. And the easiest way to do that is just by going to one of our social media channels and liking and subscribing to our videos there. Now, we'd love to spread the word about Straight Truth. And the easiest way to do that is by going to the Apple Podcast link and leaving us a five-star review. Now, Straight Truth is listener-supported. So if you'd like to find out ways to help us to continue to produce this podcast, again, go to our website, straighttruth.net. Now, Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Richard Caldwell. For more information, go to walkingingrace.org.